we need to go back to middle school uh, scholars and we need to teach them that education is fun. We need to teach them that being a teacher one day is actually essential to the greater good of the earth. If you're teaching children about education and you teach them all the the fun things about education and the importance of education, then hopefully that will matriculate down as they get older and that will be passed on from generation to generation. No time, no tools, big expectations. How do you transform school culture without derailing the train? Answer, little wins that bring big changes. The flywheel effect, harnessing the power of momentum to create a school culture that celebrates change and drives itself. Hello and welcome. I am Jordan Pruitt here with my co-host, the CEO of Live School, Matt Rubenstein, on the Flywheel Effect. Our show just to share the stories of little wins that can have a big, a big impact on your school's culture. We are joined today by Mr. Paul Kennedy. He is the Director of Scholar Advancement for Global Academies. He's also the PBIS coordinator. Uh, Paul is a longtime partner with Live School. He's done a few things for us. Um, we just had a webinar that we're, we'll link in the show notes to this at the end. That's really great. If you want some um, some more nitty gritty school culture stuff, we've got a webinar on YouTube from Paul. That's excellent. And um, Paul, before we get any farther, do you want to tell us a little bit about Global and a little bit about what you do? Uh, hi, my name is uh, Paul Kennedy. I'm Director of Scholar Advancement, PBI's Coordinator for Global Academies. Right now we serve two schools, Global Leadership Academy West and Global Leadership Academy Southwest. Uh, I've been with Global since 2016. For three years, I was what they call an academy leader, which is essentially assistant principal. But I ran grades six, seven, and eight at Global Leadership Academy Southwest. And in 2019, I ventured into this position. I basically wear four hats at uh, Global Academies, and those four hats is to oversee the high school process. It is also to incorporate and implement leadership programs in Global Academies. It is also to work with our alumni. Our alumni ranges in age, age from 14 to 28. So they have all different things that you need to serve and support. And last but not least, I am in charge of the culture and climate as far as our PBS initiative, which is called Global Greatness. Very cool. You do not hear many K-8 um, schools mention alumni very often, which I think is awesome. You guys keep in touch with, with, with your kids after, the, after they leave. So uh, just let, let me jump in on that. We we have a strong culture. Uh, they have a saying that says nobody does school like global does school. And for years, our we have treated our alumni like, uh, like family. For instance, if they have things that's going on in home, let, let's just say their house might have burned down. We'll sit there and we'll raise money. We'll provide funds. We'll get them clothes. We'll get them food. We'll get them shelter. Almost anything and everything for years, we actually kept our scholars with us even after they transitioned after eighth grade. So because we had all these scholars and all these scholars were still using us as a resource, our CEO, Dr. Naomi Johnson Booker decided, hey, maybe we need a person that should be in charge of all these things that our alumni needs. The other thing was because of the way we quote unquote do school, we didn't want that to stop in eighth grade. Our, one of our taglines is preparing future leaders of the world and they would leave us in eighth grade so they didn't have that service. They didn't have that support. They didn't have that proverbial hug that they needed throughout their high school and college lives. Now there are resources where we can actually have a foundation to provide those things for our uh, former scholars. Very cool. I, I love the, um, the phrase, how you do school. 
Um, because like, you know, that, that means you, you put a lot of thought into it cause it's, you're, you're trying to make it intentionally different in a lot of ways. Um, and in the, all behind the, the goal of having a strong culture and like that alumni base idea that the, your, your current students have got to see that too. And, and they've got to understand that you guys really care. Otherwise you wouldn't have that. Yes, this, this is true. Not only do our, our scholars see it, our family see it. Uh, we have so many scholars that, uh, you know, we have a third grader, a fifth grader, and an eighth grader. And then after they transition on, we'll have their little brother and sister who weren't even born when their big brother and sister went to the school, but because the parents stand by the school. And now recently we are now having children of former scholars that now attend our school. So it's it's a great, great family foundation. Very cool. So want to want to go ahead and jump in. Um We've got some a little bit of background because we've we've had a, a previous conversation with webinars and we, we've talked a few times. Um, but your career has been dedicated to moving students, motivating students, and serving the whole child. Well, that's the old the idea, the, the old culture aspect you guys are shooting for. What drew you into the school culture field, and what keeps you there? Uh, I got to go back to college. Uh, I'm a former high school and ba- uh, college basketball player. I've been involved in sports my, like my my whole life. And I was a pre-physical therapy major in, in college. Uh, however, my fraternity uh, needed someone to be on campus. And so when I went to my sponsor, my advisor, she said, listen, you're an athlete. She said, just just do health and physical education. You, you have all the classes. So I said, OK, you know, I'll just be on campus. I'll be more marketable after I graduate with physical therapy. And I have this education thing over here on the side just in case if I ever need a job. So that was the whole premise of it. So my first day I'm student teaching, a young lady could not do a jumping jack. Literally couldn't do one. So I felt bad. I pulled her to the side and I basically broke down a jumping jack. And long story short, after school, she runs up to me. Mind you, this is my first day teaching, guys. Mr. Kennedy, Mr. Kennedy, Mr. Kennedy. I said, yes. She said, watch this. And she was doing a fluid jumping jack, like in the middle of the hallway. And... I said, you know what? This is what I want to do because the way it made me feel. See, a lot of people don't realize that teachers, a lot of us, even though it's not good to say we're actually selfish. You know, we we like to feel good, too. So a lot of times when we're helping somebody, it's almost like, OK, I'm, I'm making my small mark on the world. And that young lady who learned how to do a jumping jack, I may have, you know, helped her life in some type of positive way. And so I said to myself, this is this is what I want to do. And so one of my goals were because I was seriously in the city of Philadelphia and I was a black male in the city of Philadelphia and I didn't even have my first black male teacher till seventh grade. I wanted to be that teacher that I never had. So even my first job, uh, I took a K to four school on purpose. And a lady said to me, why do you want to work with the babies? I said, the babies don't even know I exist. And so that was one of the reasons why I wanted to work with the baby. So all my life, whether I'm coaching AU basketball, coaching high school basketball, coaching tennis, coaching track, my goal and my job is to always pour into children. Uh, you know, when we're all promised that we're going to leave this world one day. And I just really, really wanted to provide a situation where God put me on this earth or whoever put me on this earth. And I actually was able to pour myself and spread myself to different, you know, almost like pathways of life to different children so they can take what I taught them and they can spread it along to generation after generation. 
that might sound corny, but that that's my goal, and that's why I do what I do do today because I feel as though that I'm here on this earth and I do have something to provide to help this w- world to be a better place. I don't think that was corny at all, man. That, that was real talk. And uh, there's a few things that stuck out to me that I, I think are, are at least somewhat consistent. Like you mentioned, a, a background in athletics that that's not like universal by any means. But I found that a lot of folks who are a part of teams. They, they, they've, they have very strong like cultural roots. Like they understand like, like teamwork and, and all, how all those things benefit you in all sorts of other things. Um, you were also a fraternity guy. I was a fraternity guy too, which is an interesting thing. Cause that's, there's some cultural aspects there. Some of them are not the greatest, but there is a culture thing there. Um, and the thing you were talking about with the, with the girl on the jumping jacks, that, that happens all the time in, in schools all over the place. And it's, it's awesome. It just is like when you can teach somebody to do something and like, then they can do it. And like, they're so proud. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Um, it, cha- it literally changed my life that day. Yeah. We're, we're lucky. We're lucky. We get to do those kind of things. Um, uh, Matt, you got, you got anything to add there? No, I, I was, <laughs> I was just kind of enraptured listening to you, Paul. Um, it's a really powerful story. I think it, it probably relates to a lot of educators and everyone's got a moment like that. So, no, no follow-up questions yet, but it's a really powerful story. So one of the coolest things about your approach to school culture is that emphasis is on student voice. And like when we talked in, in the webinar, you, you talked a whole lot about how scholars pretty much, they, they lead or at least they have their fingerprints on, on all the initiatives you guys do, um, which I think is huge. And that's something we see. Uh, it comes up a lot on this podcast is the places that are doing good. They, they've understand, understood how to tap into student voice and they've got the students are having impact on their own school. And the places that are doing that are doing a lot better, I think. Um, but you really give the students an opportunity to steer decisions. Talk about why that's important to you and give us some examples. So I'm going I'm, I'm gonna to answer threefold. Uh, first of all, the name of the schools that we serve is, is Global Leadership Academy. If you don't provide opportunities for scholars to be leaders, then that falls in the face of even the name of the school. So we really, really, really look at that word leadership and we try to provide many opportunities for our scholars to be leaders. A lot of times they are not leaders if a facilitator or a teacher or staff member is just telling them what to do. If you have them be part of the process, part of the decision making part of the creative, um, the creativity of whatever you're doing in, in, in your school walls, then they have ownership at that particular time. And when they have ownership, they hence will become leaders. And once again, our goal is not for it to stop in eighth grade. Our tagline is future leaders of the world. So if we provide leadership opportunities for our scholars, then they will then become leaders in the, in the world to affect change on a global scale later on. It's real, real um, um, inspirational what we do, and it's real purposeful in what we do when it comes to the name of our school. The other thing is the way the way learning is. Uh, we talked about this even before we got on the podcast today. Was that you would go to school, a teacher would be at the board, a t- teacher would just say, "Okay, this is this, this is this, this is this." Uh, you would do that on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then on Friday you would have a test. That information would then go into your brain, and then Hopefully it would stay there, but eight times out of 10, it would just leave, leave your brain. Uh, education and data has proven if scholars are part of the process and if it is hands-on, if it is practical, 
if they are um, provided opportunities where they can immerse learning and then take that learning and teach other people, then they will be able to regurgitate that information that you were try, trying to teach. So be, because of that, what we try what we try to do is always consider all of our stakeholders, whether it be our parents, whether it be our children, whether it be our community leaders and our staff members. And so our scholars are an important stakeholder in their own learning. Thirdly, we actually call our scholars scholars. Well, who is a scholar? Well, a scholar is responsible for their own learning. So if I tell a scholar, okay, George Washington was the first president of the United States, are they just going to believe me just because their teacher said it? There are so many resources and so many things out there where they can go read to see if George Washington was actually the first president of the United States. So now they become responsible for their own learning. But the teachers as facilitator, we try to put them in a place where they can ask themselves essential questions, where they could take a step back and they can actually immerse themselves in a particular learning. But that doesn't, doesn't just stop in the classroom. That's in everything that we do. Any activity, any workshop, any program um, that, that we do. For instance, one of the great things that, that we do, we have a night of learning where the, where, where the scholars actually invite their parents to talk about what they are actually learning in class is called demonstration of learning. And guess who's teaching the lessons? The scholars are. It's not the teacher. So when the scholars are actually demonstrating what they are actually learning in, in class, we actually know that those particular things that we are pouring into them are actually being applied. So it's all purposeful in every everything that we do, but we really want them to be leaders of the world. And this is one of the ways that we do it. So I, I love all sorts of parts of that answer. Um, given like young people leadership opportunities, I think is something that we, we really can't do enough of. Um, they, we get real good at giving them directions and telling them what to do, but at some point they've got to do these, do the things, you know what I mean? And we've, we've got to be developing leaders the whole way through for them to be good at anything in, in their future. So that's a huge deal. Also, um, I have, I love when you brought it up in the, in the webinar too, about how you, how you call you know, students scholars. I'm a big fan of that. I, I love that idea of affirmation. And I like that a lot. The school I was in, we actually had a, an academy there that was, it was a, a separate school. It was called Carter G. Woodson Academy. And it's very similar to some of the things that are going on at global. I don't, I don't know if it's based on it or if, like, or what, but, or maybe they, they, they've heard about you guys or something. They did a lot of the same things, but they, they, they called their students scholars, and I, I, I like that. It always stuck out to me, and that was a through line through that whole academy. They, they, they were consistent with it. I think it was a big deal. Um, right, and one thing I want to add, being a leader does not necessarily mean that you're in charge. So if they're part of the creative process, they're actually learning real-life skills. So you're learning how to delegate. You're learning how to have a role. You're learning how to work. Uh, work together with uh, others in a positive manner. So these are all practical skills that they're going to take with them for the rest of their life. Yeah, that the idea of uh, experiential learning or immersive learning or you know, hands-on, I think those things apply to behavior too. I, I, like if if you can be a part of that process, you're more likely to understand the whys behind the things and you're, you're more like take ownership in the place you're in. Um, I want to I always, I always throw this question in there because it gives us a... a we talk very macro about like your school and stuff, but I like pulling out to a bigger picture because um, so we can kind of relate it to everyone, but, and everyone always has a different answer for this. What is there one thing in education right now, if you had the ability, what would you fix? 
and like not not just your school, but everywhere. Yeah, it's funny you ask this because the state of education uh, is down a little bit, or at least how people perceive it is down. You know, narratives are created. So right now, when when people say, "Oh, they're not doing nothing in the schools," oh, you know, urban education needs to be fixed. Oh, they need to do this, and they those type of questions happen all the time. But I actually told my wife recently, I said, "We need to go back to middle school." Uh, scholars, and we need to teach them that education is fun. We need to teach them that being a teacher one day is actually essential to the greater good of the earth. I actually just recently said this, and I learned a quote from Aristotle back, uh, way back when, and it just said, the fate of the empire depends on, on the future of the youth. You know, and this is an old Greek, Greek saying, because if you're teaching children about education and you teach them all the the fun things about education and the importance of education then hopefully that will matriculate down as they get older and that will be passed on from generation to generation so i actually said that that's one thing that that needs to change we need to change the narrative of it um also think that we need to diversify teach different things one story that i always tell when i was an academy leader uh one of my mentors they used to like have mentors come in and speak to the staff members and things like that. And my tagline for that first year, I was in charge of what they call the Collegiate Academy. And my tagline was on the road to college and beyond. And that former principal turns to me. He said, Mr. Kennedy, I love your tagline, but you have to understand something. Now all your children are going to college. And I changed that tagline to say on the road to college and career and beyond. You know, even though if you become a hairstylist, you're going to have to get some type of certification and everything. That does not mean that they went to a four-year institution. And nowadays, this, where we are right now, is actually showing different avenues where our future scholars can be successful. Uh, you have so many social media jobs, podcasts, uh, people are doing things on that, doing wonders on their things, on their tablets and iPhones and everything. You know, you have big companies, Facebook and Twitter and IBM and whoever just hiring people to do different type of social media things and being on the streets and promotion and advertisements and everything. Well, guess what? Those things can be taught in schools. It really can. You can actually have an academy where you can have children that have interests in those type of things to be taught in schools. And I don't think it should start in high school. I think these things are actually starting in kindergarten and coming all the way through. So I think it should be diversified as far as what you're teaching. Of course, you're always going to have to teach ELA and math and those those different things. Um, uh, effective leadership should also change. I think principals should now be called uh, the head of learning because learning isn't just math and English and social studies and things like that. They're always evolving and always learning. Like you just now mentioned behavior. There was always a misnomer about behavior. Like you should just know how to behave. Well, no, that's not true. You have to teach behavior the same way that you teach your core subjects, because it is essentially a core subject. And those two things are actually aligned. Um, last but not least, you have to meet children where they are, which we already alluded to with social media and everything. But just current events, their language, uh, constantly building relationships with them, differentiation among children, not know knowing that not every child is the same and that children learn in different ways. All those messages should constantly be uh relayed to current current teachers and to teachers of tomorrow so a, a few things there first your aristotle quote i thought for certain that was a star wars quote i thought that was obi-wan 100 
but I believe he was probably Aristotle. Um, I was told it was Aristotle, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe you, I believe you. Um, but <clears throat> you're, you're exactly right with the college and career readiness thing. There's, there's just a lot of pathways to success. And I, I think that's kind of started to happen. Uh, we've, we've started co- sort of this shift uh, to more of a, a career skill type type scenario in a lot of places. I think that's happening. I think that's important. Um, the big thing I think you said there is that the the perception, you know, kind of the story of, of school. Um, and that, that's one thing I, I hope this, this podcast can help with because like we bring a lot of folks on who are doing a lot of great work. So I hope we can be part of that narrative in a good way. That, that's what I hope. Hey guys, this is Jordan from Live School. And I want to take a quick break to share a story about one of our partner schools. Global Academies in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The Director of Student Advancement, Paul Kennedy, wanted to create a PBIS structure that aligned with Global's unique school culture. That's easier said than done, though. When choosing systems, how do you ensure it fits your school? Will it resonate with your students? Will your staff even adopt it? When Global started to build out their PBIS program, they made sure every piece fit their unique culture by filtering those decisions through their foundational pillars. By aligning PBIS with those pillars, Global is able to improve school culture, and they recorded over 28,000 positive interactions to prove it. If you'd like to improve student behavior and culture in your school, check us out at wildlifeschool.com. All right, so so Paul, a lot of listeners are probably familiar with a school store concept. Uh, you being a PBS coordinator, I thought we'd ask you this. Um, so students can spend behavior points on rewards. Uh, you took it in a creative direction. You have events where students earn those automatically, and then they can still spend their points while I guess while they're there and the store as well. Um, it seems like a small thing, but it could have a big impact on your culture. Can you explain kind of your approach? I'll be honest with you. This it, that that began because. It was almost like trial and error. Uh, 2016 was the first time that I ever used live school. Uh, and it was the first time that I was in charge of as an administrator of classes myself. So as you were doing things, you are almost like trying to see, OK, this works. OK, they like this. and They don't like that. And we found out in the course of that, that although they do like to spend their money, sometimes they don't because they think that their money is going to go away. So if I have five hundred dollars, live school dollars, and I go to the school store and I want something that costs three hundred dollars and something else that costs one hundred and fifty dollars, well now I'm only going to have fifty dollars left, and I'm not thinking right away. Okay, I can just earn this money and get that money right back. No, that's not what I'm thinking. So a lot of children, seriously, they wouldn't spend their money. Even the children that you know perform positive behaviors on consistently and on a daily basis, they wouldn't spend their money. And we would try to find different avenues to still you know, uh, affirm them and affirm their greatness. And we were like, okay, what can we do? And so we came up with that. We were going to have different field trips, different events where they just had to have a certain amount of money either in their bank, or they had to accrue a certain amount of money throughout the school year. So let's just say I had a thousand dollars, but I spent $990. That means I only have $10 left, right? However, I already earned a thousand dollars. Like where, where was my pat on the back for that? So we might have a live school party, for instance. And by the way, all our live school parties are like healthy eating parties that has something to do with our uh, healthy eating. So we have popcorn parties. We have parfait parties and things like that. We do not have like cheesesteak parties. If we have a taco party, it's going to be with tofu or some type of vegetarian taco or things like that. I just wanted to point that out. But if we had I'm a lot of turkey tacos, yeah, turkey tacos. Yes, we only. Yes. That we actually had turkey taco day. So um, 
So you would sit there and look at the live school stats and you would say, okay, in order to get invited to this party, you had to accrue at least $500 throughout the school year. So we already put a threshold. If I get tickets, let's just say to the local museum and a local museum only says, okay, we only have 30 tickets and our bus only seats 32. We then say, okay, we allow the top live school uh, achievers up until this point to be invited on a trip. So it was a way for us to affirm children that were actually doing what they were supposed to do, quote unquote. So that was one of the, one of the great things that we actually incorporated. And it's up to us as the uh, PPIS committee and for us, the teaching staff, to figure out when and where are you supposed to utilize that particular method. So <clears throat> I like it a lot because it it's it's not just a, a, a value like 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 a bank account situation, but it's it's also a scoreboard and like it's it's you know it's it's a run and tally and if you get to this point you can you can earn access to things. I think that's really cool. It also lets you do a lot of cultural things. Um, and the last thing I will say because you mentioned um, the the idea of them um, being able to spend it and they would only have about like ten left or whatever. We we talked to a guy from uh, I believe it's, it's Missouri or Kansas. Uh, his name is Jason Hanniger. He's a principal out there, and he he gave them the idea of even investing their 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 live school points, like and, and like he, he had them put it in like fake stocks, and they would grow through the year. That was an option for him, so that's, I think that's cool. Um, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, just want to jump in, Paul, because you mentioned the the parties and um, around live school. We know you as like the the school party guy, the guy who loves to throw a school party. Um, but you've also talked before about like the relationships between students and staff. I was wondering if you could just share out a little bit about that because, you know, teachers have different levels of comfort building those authentic relationships with students. And when as you put these parties on, can you just talk a little bit about the impact for, for teachers who maybe don't have as strong of relationships to have that opportunity to kind of cut loose with students and, and try to break through? Well, de- de- definitely. Uh, to, the, to the point, Matt, where... We even had to, let's just say the party is from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. We actually had to create a schedule for, okay, these three teachers, you go from 1 to 1.45. These three teachers, you go from 1.45 to 2.30. We actually had to create a schedule for teachers to be able to spend downtime with their scholars. Uh, we, we found out that besides socialization, besides lunchtime, that that was just an opportunity uh, for teachers and scholars to let their hair down. Here was the other great thing about what, what we're talking about. It's a reward. So because it's a reward, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be, you know, you're not Mr. Kennedy right now. You know, you are Mr. Kennedy, but I can be relaxed around you because we're supposed to be having a feel good time time right now. So during those opportunities, let's one time I had a sports fitness live school party and we were able to play volleyball and basketball uh, with with our scholars, we were able to jump rope with our scholars. We be able we were able to tug of war with our scholars, and everything. Throw a frisbee, and during that time, you're laughing, you're having fun, you're getting to know a different side of your teacher, and because you're getting to know a different side of your teacher, that's actually building a relationship with your teacher. And so, what does that do? That does nothing but enhance learning, because the next day you go, you know what? I like him. He's an okay guy. So now he's trying to teach me 2X plus Y. I'm actually listening now because now we have developed that relationship. So that's one thing that those opportunities really provide. And that having some sort of connection or relationship and, and being able to provide that's a big deal. Like that's easier for some than others. Um, like what, one thing I, I, I kind of always had in my pocket was I was always a coach too. 
So like I, I like they would call you coach. And that was a different thing. You know what I mean? So that like that, that was a diff- little different connection. You mentioned um, the you know basketball volleyball party. What what's your favorite celebration you've thrown? That that one. <laughs> that one. Uh, you know you know why? Uh, because a lot of times scholars don't know when you manipulate the points or the criteria and everything like that. But we actually built up live school to a point where we were able to actually make a criteria for 95 percent of the scholars to actually attend that particular party. And it was at the end of the year. So any type of stress that we had throughout the year, any type of hard times, pitfalls, barriers that we had throughout the year, it all went out the window. And you just got to see everybody relax. You just got to see everybody having a good good time and um just just being under one union and under one accord together. So that was even my favorite ones. I've had other favorite ones. Um, uh, I used to uh, do this um, program called um, Feel Good Fridays. And what it was, it was offering children a different aspect of fun. So it was serving brunch. So instead of serving coffee and tea, you would serve hot cocoa, you would serve tea, you would serve orange juice, but it would be like different little small cakes there. It was uh, donuts and things like that. And on Fridays for first period, they actually had a free period. It was like a homeroom period. So during that particular time, we were able to ask our top live school scholars, we would give them the opportunity to go to Feel Good Fridays. So now they can go in the back and they could just sit down, they could just talk with each other, uh, sometimes we used to play musical chairs or any type type of indoor game. We had board games that were out, card games that were out, and the scholars and they still had to go to school that day. It was it was from it was from eight forty five to nine thirty, so they still had to go to school that day. But it just allowed them to set the tone. And what was good about that was we did it once a month, but they knew that it was coming up, so they knew. Let's just say on December thirteenth, Feel Good Fridays was going to take place. So that was something that they were actually able to look forward to. And it was just a different tone instead of just being out there and just having fun and doing any type of physical fitness and ever. But it allowed the scholars to actually talk to each other and get to know each other on a different basis. So that was another one of my favorite ones. So I've, I've done some morning uh, celebrations before, too. And I, I always always talk about anytime I can, like pushback, because it's a chance to talk about how you overcome things. And I guarantee somebody on staff said, but they're going to be all worked up before they go to class. Uh, that that was said, but here's the great part. The temperament of it, it was almost going to, uh, have you ever been to a social, an, an adult? I was going to say, it sounds like almost like a parlor vibe or a social club, like that yes. kind of thing. So even the music that we would play, we wouldn't play like no strong hip hop or R&B music and ever. We would play like real mellow jazz or adult contemporary music and everything like that. It was like a sophisticated that. event, right? It was, it was, it was. So that definitely was one of my, uh, one of my, one of my favorite events. And because of the mood and the temperament of the particular event, no, they, they, they weren't going back excited and they had to readjust. No, they were already in that uh, frame of mind. It, it's really cool, Paul, just that you call that out. Cause I think when people think about celebrating kids or rewards, there might just be one picture that comes to mind. I think it's really cool how you've incorporated different tones like that. You know, like kids maybe want to feel VIP or they want to lounge or they want like there's different modes they might want to be in. And I really think it goes back to student voice and, you know, kids are just 
future adults, you know, we all have similar needs and it's just really cool how you've uh, diversified those experiences for kids. And, and appreciate that. And to be honest with you, I got the idea from the children. You know, we, we send out surveys. We, we ask them even now in the position I am, I actually support the schools now. And I have people on the ground floor, so to speak, that actually implement these different things. And one of the things as a committee or as a group, when we're sitting here discussing, we say, Hey, what should we do? And one of the first things that we always say, let's put out a survey. Let's ask the children what they want. (laughs) You know, so that was one of the ideas of the of the children. I love that you mentioned you, you, <clears throat> on the morning things you played jazz. Um, I used to run like the like like breakfast cafeteria for for my school, and what that meant was every every kid like came through the cafeteria in the morning. So like of the eighteen hundred we had, they all came through there in the morning. So like whatever vibe was in there was was important. You know, what I mean, like it would it, it would trickle out through the rest of the building. So I would play jazz music. And I don't know if you're familiar with lo-fi hip hop, but like you can get on YouTube and find these long playlists of lo-fi like study type music. I would have that going in the morning, like just kind of setting a different vibe because it's first thing in the morning when everybody kind of chilling. Um, the um, lost train of thought. The the other thing that stuck out that, that you were saying there about because um, you talked about feel good Fridays, a classroom management tip. Like if you if you if, if you're just a teacher listening. And you wanted to do that, but you know you're not on PBIS, or maybe you don't have have the 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 voice to really get those things happening in your classroom. You could do the same thing; just make it your boring. Do um, tell me something good Friday, and you so you just start the day with everybody telling something good that's going on in their life. So you instantly start with a with a positive note. That's that's an easy easy win for you. So I mean, we've covered all these creative ideas, and Paul, it does remind me of a quote you once said. I don't know if you remember, but it cracks me up every time. Uh, you said. Uh, if you're an educator and you're not stealing, you're not doing it right. I don't know if you remember that. I do, re- I do remember that because I stand by it. <laughs> uh, I, I laugh about that all the time, but I think it's so true. I think back to when I was in school building, just the amount of reinventing the wheel that goes on. And especially with culture being this new movement and something people are trying to invest in more and more. I'm really curious if you could just talk about your approach to finding new ideas, you know, all these posters, all the names you come up with, like, are you just running an ad agency over there or how, how are you doing that? And what can our listeners take away that they can maybe bring back to their school? I'll speak on me on myself personally first. Um, if, if y'all listen to me, I, I say I always wanted to be the education educator that I always wanted. So when I was a student from kindergarten to 12th grade, you could even throw in college in there. Uh, I would just sit in class and go, why doesn't the school do this? And why doesn't the school do that? And why is this teacher doing this and everything? And a lot of those ideas, it just stayed with me. Uh, if you ever meet me or really get to know me, I might be classified as, as different. And uh, I just know a whole bunch of facts and figures and things like that and everything. And I just keep everything just bottled up. And so my mind is always circling. It really, really is. Um, playing sports. If you have a play and that play could be better. Or if it didn't work for a certain reason, I'm all, I've always was put in a position to take a step back. So even if we do one program, I'm taking a step back and I'm asking myself what worked, what didn't work? How can we make better? How can we improve? How can we make it more fun? That fun word is very, very important. And so all these, all these ideas. And so uh, thankfully the administration, the people that are above me at global academies, 
they provided me a forum to get all these things that I've had in my 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 head for years to actually uh, get it, get it out. I've been part of PBS since 2005, and the first time I actually was a head of the committee was in 2019. So I had a stronger voice, a bigger voice, and everything like that. And I'm able to say, "Hey, try this, try that." Now, a lot of my staff members they are they are not going to implement it because you almost sometimes need to be vulnerable when you implement things. And you need to know that everything is going to go right. But if you know that everything isn't always going to go right and you can always use it as a learning tool and that it's always about the children, you're going to be fine. So that that's the great part about it. So that's just me personally. I just have too many things just going into my head and too many things to affirm scholars and too many things that I wanted to do when I was a student myself that I just want to get out there. And um, and I tell the teachers all the time, you can do this at four levels, especially within our schools. You can do it at the classroom level, as you alluded to, Matt. You can do it in the grade level. You can do it on the academy level or the house level. And you can do it school-wide. So all those things are underneath one umbrella. But as far as taking away from me, that's why we have a PBS committee. That's why we have a PBS team. That's why we have a data team. Uh, so the data team looks at the data, aggregates the data, tries to figure out the picture that's going on in the school within the data. The implementation team is implementing that particular data. And so one of the questions that the implementation team asks every single meeting, okay, what can we do to enhance this positive behavior or what can we do to, you know, lessen this particular negative behavior? So some things that comes up is, okay, we can do this event to affirm scholars that gets points in this. So let's just say uh, our scholars are supposed to wear a uniform. We can actually break down how many points for uniforms that they got throughout the school year, and then we can reward and come up with an event for our scholars who have been wearing a uniform to maybe have a dress down day or something like that, or to maybe, you know, be rewarded with a feel good Friday if they were wearing a uniform. But everything is purposeful. We meet twice a month as far as the data team and the implementation team. I'm in constant conversation with the culture and climate teams, especially the director of the, the culture and climate coordinator. I want to get those titles right. The culture and climate coordinator, our MTSS coordinator. I'm in constant conversation with her, our special education director. If you have those differentiation things that are, you know, coming up sometimes and everything, I'm in constant conversation with her. So it's all under one accord, all under one team. We even go to the CEO sometimes say, hey, this is what we want to do in your school. What do you think? Or some something like that. So it's 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 constantly it's consistent. It's throughout the school year that we're doing these things. So I mean, there's so much there. Probably if you're listening, you should rewind, <laughs> listen to that again. But a couple of things I want to um, call out that I just think are really cool. It almost sounds like you have an experimental mindset, like, and the variable is fun <laughs> and engagement, and you're you're testing things and you're tweaking and you're seeing. Okay, this didn't work that's okay. And it sounds like you've got a leadership team that, you know, is bought in and isn't going to shut down PBIS because you had one reward that kids didn't buy into and that's okay. And that happens. The other thing I just want to call out that I hope is something we see more of across the country is you were doing this work at the school level, correct? And now you're almost in a, a, a role where there's starting to be a structure underneath you of folks doing the work at the school level. And I, I gotta say, I don't think a lot of, um, charter management organizations and districts are yet at a point where they're building that structure up and having folks who are this focused on fun and engagement and culture that are then working with the school level. We see it in some places, um, 
But I think that idea is so powerful because shout out to your organization that they've put that level of, you know, uh, emphasis, uh, you know, a, a budget is always a reflection of priorities and clearly it's something they're prioritizing. So just hat tip to, to everyone yourself and everyone at the organization who's made that such a, such a priority. Yeah. One of the things, uh, we want our children to be emotional, healthy. Uh, if our children are emotional, healthy, they don't want to come to school. They definitely don't want to learn. Um, they're not there with us. And so their emotional healthy, one of the avenues that can allow that, they, that can enhance their emotional health is fun, is creativity, and is allowing them to be part of the process. Uh, the one thing when I was younger myself, uh, I alluded to I played basketball and I, I did sports. When your mom wakes you up in the morning and you don't want to go to school, <laughs> sometimes you need motivational things to actually want to get up and go to school besides learning two times two. Besides learning, you know, the Declaration of Independence. So sometimes you need other things. And we have found out in data shows, I'm not making this up, data has shows those other things actually enhances learning. So that's one of the reasons why we're real purposeful. I went to drop my daughter off at school this morning and she was more excited than she has been all week. And I was like, what's going on? She's like, oh, it's it's Treasure Box Day. She's a first grader, which makes sense. But like those things, they work. They work. They're, 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 worth, they're worth doing. I mean, that's a small thing that her teacher's doing that she likes. Um, last question here, Paul. How do you keep all this kind of stuff fresh? Here's the great part. It, it's not It's not me. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not me. If you are a teacher or a staff member for Global Academies, it's part of the culture and climate to constantly be fresh. Uh, for instance, if we do Twin Day last year, yeah, we might do Twin Day again this year, but it's all in how you present it. It's all in the message. You're changing up the flyer. Instead of being twins, uh, you might want to add a color. You might want to say, okay, we're being twins wearing the same football jerseys or things like that. So you always want to constantly tweak. And most of our scholars go to our school from kindergarten to eighth grade. They really do. So they remember everything. So you always want to have something that's almost structured and that's the same thing, but you always want to do different, do something different because they will remember if it was monotonous and they did the same thing from the previous year. So we have so many talented teachers. We have so many talented staff members that um, are so creative. But the thing is, it's part of the culture of our schools to be creative. Like we're not going to hire you if you just want to be one of those monotone, so to speak, teachers. It's not going to happen. We're going to hire you if you want to pour into our scholars, if you want to actually allow our scholars to be themselves, allow our scholars to be part of the learning process, and allow scholars to just enjoy school. So our teachers are all, I mean, they are so smart. They are always constantly coming up with something. So those committees that I talk about, a lot of times the culture and climate team says, hey, Mr. Jackson in second grade is doing this in his class. We should apply this to other classes. Hey, Miss Agnew in fifth grade at this particular school, she has implemented this. How can we make this better? Uh, but they're always doing things on, on their own. Uh, one thing I actually said to the staff during my live school presentation on Wednesday was that the pandemic did not stop the schools at all as far as how to affirm your scholars. They were still having lunch with the principal. They were still having movie nights. They were still having uh, twin day. They were still having funny hat day, funny sock day. They were still having day at the beach. Like we're literally children were decorating their bedrooms and make it look like they were at the beach. Um, this things was still taking place. And one of the reasons why the, the virtual world 
did not stop us is because of the mindset of the staff members that already exist in our buildings. So we we are always looking to make something fresh. And here's last but not least, if something's working, we're not getting rid of it. You know, <laughs> we're not getting rid of it. We are bring, we are bringing it back. That's that's why sometimes when I do a program or anything like that, and it, and it's a very successful program, I might take a step back and I might say, "Oh man, you just made more work for yourself for next year." <laughs> but that's that's why we're here. That, that is good advice. Don't get rid of things that work. <laughs> um, Paul, I don't want to take up too much of your time. You got you got a school run and and you know culture to to improve and all those things. Um, how can people find you? Uh, my email address is uh, pkennedy at ga-schools.org. pkennedy at ga-schools.org. And if you want to find more about our alumni program, you can reach me at gla underscore alumni programs. Well, thank you for coming on, sir. Um, we appreciate your time. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. The Flywheel Effect, harnessing the power of momentum to create a school culture that celebrates change and drives itself.